0: Log Talk Radio.
1: Welcome back to Zion's Redemption Radio Network. This is Fundamentally Mormon. I'm your host, Mark Witton-Walter. Today we're going to be getting into a new book. The book is titled Polygamy in the Bible. We're going to read the introduction, the preface, and chapter 1. We'll start with the reader, uh, reader portion of the program, which is about 10 minutes long. And then I'll get into the commentary after the reader portion of the pro- uh, program is finished. Anybody with questions about polygamy can call in during the reader portion of the program. The guest call-in number is 917-889-8827. That's 917-889-8827. If you do call in and you want to have me talk to you in the screening room, just press 1 and I'll see that and I'll pull you into the screening room and then you can ask me your question or comment and if you'd like me to bring you live on the air I can unmute your mic or I can address your question or comment live on the air as you listen in the uh, studio or online so fundamentally Mormon goes live Monday through Friday from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. or until we're finished. Anyone with questions on theology can call in after the commentary portion of the program. And uh, just push one after the commentary portion and I will bring you on if you choose to use the chat room, you can go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash fundamentally Mormon, and there will be a chat room available during the live portion of the radio program. Let's get into this. This is Introduction, Chapter 1 of Polygamy in the Bible, pages 1.
2: To eight. Introduction, Chapter 1 of Polygamy In the Bible, pages 1 to 8 The Gospel hath neither recalled, nor forbid, what was permitted in the law of Moses with respect to marriage Jesus Christ has not changed the external economy, but let it justice only, and life everlasting for reward N-Martin Luther by crowd, acknowledgment, the author expresses special appreciation to Eskel Peterson, Hal Jensen, Ron Baron, and Roy Potter for their contributions towards the completion and publication of this book. Preface, polygamy, the word itself strikes like a thunderbolt. Our modern society has divested its thinking and morals so far from this ancient practice, that this type of marriage is commonly thought to be sinful or unlawful. Yet, in biblical times, polygamy was considered a part of the marriage union. For thousands of years it was taught and lived by many of the ancient prophets and patriarchs. Simply said, God and the Bible approved of polygamy. However, today most ministers and theologians either avoid or cover up this God-approved marriage principle. Lieutenant is difficult to understand why so many of the modern priest crafters take such devious methods to throw a veil over this Bible doctrine. And it is for this reason that our contemporary society neither understands nor wants to inquire into that honorable marriage law. God has never forbidden plural marriage, and that is the plain and simple fact of Biblical history. Lieutenant, it is time to expose the artificial scab of falsehood that covers the sanctity of polygamy, and it is for that reason this book was written. N- The Author, 5, Chapter 1, Introduction Plural marriage is a principle believed in and sanctioned by more people on earth than by those who believe in monogamy or celibacy. In fact, the one-wife system of marriage is principally confined to some of the nations of Europe and the Americas. Most historians agree that the larger portion of the world's inhabitants believe polygamy to be a practical and acceptable part of marriage. But, isn't such a system of marriage degrading to women? On the contrary, it is because of plural marriage that a woman is offered a broader choice of husbands providing her with a better chance to improve religiously, emotionally and perhaps financially. It is under the contracted principle of forced monogamy that women are denied many privileges. Women today talk about liberation and their freedom. But there is no other principle of marriage that offers her as much freedom and independence and dash which she both wants and needs. Plural marriage is a simple wholesome opportunity for women to gain the privileges of a family and a good husband. The broad selection from all men, instead of a few, is available for her, rather than some single leftovers. 6. If the women of today could revive this principle of marriage from out of the prejudice, misunderstanding, and selfishness that surround it, it would be the means of removing from our society some of its worst evils. Our monogamous marriage system has reduced too many women to a life of loneliness, ill repute and degradation. Surely women are meant to be given an opportunity for the better things of life rather than the worst. Polygamy offers them that choice. But the practice of plural marriage should always be a matter of personal conviction. Also, A man should know in his own mind if he is capable of assuming the responsibilities that accompany such a marriage. But more important, he should obtain the necessary wisdom and inspiration to live it honorably. His life should reflect stability, not just to the outside world, but more particularly to his wives and children. Plural marriage should always be considered a holy principle and a man should enter it only with the kind of effort and desire that result in a good marriage. Polygamy is certainly not a guarantee for successful marriage. Conversely, it will expose and manifest every weakness in both the men and women who enter into it. For these reasons, it should be a careful consideration, not only as a religious belief, but for a practical and fruitful marriage. Let it be clearly understood that every man and woman should live their lives according to the dictates of their conscience and dash whether it be celibacy, monogamy or plural marriage. In any of these situations, man is always accountable to his conscience and his creator. 7. Certainly domestic government is the first order to all social organization. It is even the root of all civil government. For if the character and effectiveness of civil government is bad, then family government is probably a contributing factor for its failure. Family order or disorder is the superstructure upon which every society is elevated or destroyed. If marriage in society is without respect, purity or value, then it will be reflected in society's social and civil government the superstructure upon which every society is elevated or destroyed. If marriage in society is without respect, purity or value, then it will be reflected in society's social and civil government. Paternalism is the natural order of all life, for everything seeks to reproduce itself. Every flying, walking, swimming or creeping creature is motivated by nature to continue its species. And it will be discovered that the stronger or healthier portions of these various male species usually seek a polygamous relationship with the females. Even mankind uses the healthy, the stronger or selected strains of breeding to raise better quality cattle, horses, and even their dogs and cats. Strangely enough, they often fail to consider this principle for their own offspring. It is this failure that has created a society filled with unmarried, unwanted or prostituted females. This is a crime against the natural desires of women, for they should have the right and the opportunity to have a home and a happy family life. God is justifiably ashamed of the contracted bigots who are so prejudiced against his marriage laws. He does not long tolerate any man no matter how high or holy his position, to transgress or oppose these laws. Even the kings of ancient Israel, who disgraced these laws, had to forfeit their wives, children and thrones. 8. Our modern society is also taking a similar course of opposition and contention against those Babel marriage laws of God. Notable cities such as New York, San Francisco, Hollywood, London, Rome and indeed every major city has become so corrupt that they are as stinking the nostrils of the Almighty. They have become modern Sodomes and Gomorrah's. For these reasons, if we do not take corrective measures immediately and turn ourselves back upon an honorable course, we will destroy ourselves or be destroyed. The only possible solution to correcting our present evils is to again put into practice the laws and principles of marriage, which are clearly established in the Bible.
1: that's the end of the reader program portion of the program. We'll get into the commentary at this point. The guest call-in number, like I said before, is 917 889 8827 and I'm going to be reading today. There's a chat room available at blogtalkradio.com forward slash fundamentally Mormon specifically for questions or comments that you would like me to address on the program. Introduction, chapter 1 of Polygamy in the Bible, pages 1 to 8. The gospel hath neither recalled nor forbid what was permitted in the law of Moses with respect to marriage. Jesus Christ has not changed the eternal economy, but added justice only and life everlasting for reward. Martin Luther Acknowledgement the author expresses special appreciation for Eskel Peterson, Hal, Hal Jensen, Ron Barron, and Royston Potter for their contribu- contrib- uh, contributions towards the completion and publication of this book. Royston Potter, or Roy Potter, is actually... Um, written other books that I don't know of. I don't know the other guys, but I am acquainted with Roy. He's a, a pretty good guy, and every once in a while on my uh, Facebook page, I'll post one of his videos. He's got a lot of them. He's really a very intellectual individual. He worked for uh, the DOD, Department of Defense. He was in the military. He was a cop. Uh, he helped write the FEMA um, manuals back in the 90s. And um, I know we're not talking about this today, but I've got to say this. Um, back in the 90s, the uh, FEMA decided that the safest place in the country for um, an attack from russia and china is actually right here in utah it's not exactly where i live it's just 40 miles to the west of where i live on the highway 89 that and it starts in fairview and it goes down uh south of that to uh, manti and ephraim uh but this area that i live is where god has called me to to live, and this is where he's asked me to gather people to. So, this is where I am. And when things fall apart completely, um, and it gets too dangerous to remain here, we'll go into the highways of the top of the mountains between this side of the mountain and that side of the mountain up Skyline Drive, and we will go down to. Um, Escalante National Park, there's a place down there that God wants us to gather to, which is northwest of Lake Powell, which is interesting because when I told Kevin Kraut that, Ogden Kraut's son, um, he told me that he had gotten the same uh, revelation, but it wasn't specific. I've I've gotten specifics on exactly where we're supposed to go. But he didn't. But he said that another individual that he knows, he's acquainted with, or he's a friend, I don't know. I've never met the other guy. He said uh, He said that guy got the same revelation. And we all got it about the same time. And then I was telling my friend, Eugene Richardson, and he told me that he got the same revelation as well. Uh, but he was thinking um, near Bullfrog. Anyway, so... I'm just like, oh, well, that's interesting. But I have gotten specific revelation, and some of you do know exactly where I'm talking about. Anyway, let's get back into the reading. I don't know why I go off on tangents like that. I had a friend, I have a friend, who actually told me, that he's really grateful that i go off on tangents because when i go off on tangents it's usually answering some question that he didn't ask me (laughs) anyway um preface polygamy the word itself strikes like a thunderbolt our modern society has divested its thinking and morals so far from this ancient practice that this type of marriage is commonly thought to be sinful or unlawful, yet in biblical times, polygamy was considered a part of the marriage union. For thousands of years, it was taught and lived by many of the ancient prophets and patriarchs. Simply said, God and the Bible approved of polygamy. However, today most ministers and theologians either avoid or cover up this God-approved marriage principle. It is difficult to understand why so many of the modern priestcrafters take such devious methods to throw a veil over this Bible doctrine. And it is for this reason that our contemporary society neither understands nor wants to inquire into the honorable law, or uh, the, the, uh, that honorable marriage law, God has never forbidden plural marriage, and that is the plain and simple fact of biblical history. It is time to expose the artificial scab of falsehood that covers the sanctity of polygamy and it is for that reason that this book was written. The author, Ogden Kraut. are on page 5 if you're reading along. Uh, chapter 1. I, just real quick. The only thing that God forbid as far as polygamy goes is multiplying of wives, which is taking too many wives. And when you take too many wives or you multiply wives, um, you actually break other laws concerning polygamy in the Torah. And it's forbidden, and it's an abomination. But plural celestial marriage never was against God's law, neither was polygamy. So, uh, and that's why we're doing this program right now. That's why we're talking about this, because so many people think that this is a horrible practice, and it never was. All right. Page 5, Chapter 1, Introduction. Plural marriage is a principle believed in and sanctioned by more people on Earth than by those who believe in monogamy or celibacy. Okay, I had to say this there are plenty of bad um what is the word for examples of monogamy my my wife her first husband is in prison right now for what he did to her and what he did uh and then well that's complicated, but um, there was a mistrial and uh, because of something with the grand jury and stuff anyway. I don't want to get into it. Uh, so they had to, to drop it, and they were going to redo the whole grand jury and everything, and my wife was so traumatized by what happened that she just couldn't. So they did this plea deal where basically this man was Uh, to be on an ankle monitor and never leave uh, the county of upstate New New York where they lived um, for like 20 years or something like that and uh, he had to be on probation the whole time and if he got caught breaking the law all of the charges would be brought back upon him and it was like the charges were severe enough. He could have spent the rest of his life in prison. But my wife just wanted to escape with her kids and, and leave. So anyway, this man that she was married to got out of prison or out of jail. And uh, he got married to this other one woman and I'll tell you what he did to her a little bit I'm not going to say a lot but he would chain her up in her room naked with their kids because she she actually had two kids with him he would beat her and rape her and do disgusting vile things to her and board up the windows in their house you know, so she couldn't escape. And, like, it just, it was... It was what horror movies are made of, except for this happened in real life. Anyway, while... this second wife of his was chained up with their kids in the bedroom... He decided to go to some rager and get high and drunk, and he got arrested. Well, if he got in trouble, then all of these other charges would be brought back upon him. And anyway, so he was in jail, and... um, I think it was his mother that went over and found Katie... I'm sorry, I'm not going to say last names. I'm sorry, Katie, if you're listening. But um, they found her. And what's sad about it is the mother, actually, she didn't know that, I don't think she knew that she was chained up in the bedroom, but um, she helped him. She knew that that there was some bad things going on, but she just wants to protect her son all the time. And she sends this man thousands of dollars a month like he's never paid child support for my two oldest, which are not mine, but they are, because I've raised them since they were six and three with my wife. But um, I don't know, it's just, it's such a mess. But that there's so many bad examples of monogamy, that people don't bring that up and say, oh, monogamy is such a horrible thing because because this happened and this example and whatever. But anytime some, I'm sorry, cover your ears, jackass uh, does something wrong in polygamy, oh, that's headline news. And they will Focus on that, but they won't focus on any of the good plural marriages that are out there. And you know what? I know plenty of polygamists that have good marriages. Satan wants you to focus on the bad in this or in this in this form of marriage because he doesn't want you to accept it. Because there is some very important things that happen in polygamy that do not happen in monogamy. And there is a very important reason for plural celestial marriage. And Satan understands that. And he will destroy it any way that he can in your mind. And try to get you to hate it. And to think it's an abomination. And twist scripture out of context... So that he can get you to 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 just reject it. Part of the reason why I'm reading this is because I keep on. I don't have time to to go over these things uh, usually because I'm have to do the radio program and I don't have time to sit down and to to like get all this stuff ready and to try to post and like. People, when people are asking me questions, I have to sit down and take time away from my family and my wife and other things to, to you know answer questions or to defend certain things. And to tell you the truth, I'm just tired. I've been doing this ministry since July of 2013 when God commanded me to organize the Church of the Living Messiah and the School of the Prophets. And in 2014, in January of 2014, shortly after the death of Ariel Sharon, Rabbi Yitzhak Kaduri, before he died in 2006, he said that the Messiah ben Joseph was on the earth at this time, but he did not know who he was. And he talked about how God would reveal things to him and God was preparing him at that time and that he would show up on the scene shortly after the death of Ariel Sharon, who in that day and age, in 2006, I believe he was in a coma. I did not know that Rabbi Yitzhak Kedori existed before 2014, but true to his prophecy, shortly after the death of Ariel Sharon was when I started podcasting and doing internet radio shows on my program, The Kingdom of God or Nothing. Which is my old program? I, I revamped it, and I'm, you know, doing fundamentally Mormon now. But, but I began to teach the people of the earth through social media, which, which, uh, yet Sakadori knew that I would. Unfortunately, uh, the Jews and the Christians. They've torn Rabbi Yitzhak Kedori's message all the pieces. And the, the Christians are basically like, I guess for a long time, they were like, Oh, Jesus is returning shortly after the death of Ariel Sharon because they heard him say Messiah. And they don't understand even what that word means. <laughs> they don't understand that God calls Messiahs from time to time. Like Cyrus the Great, he called his Messiah in the book of Isaiah. Yeshua or Jesus was a Messiah, but there are other Messiahs as well. Also, all of the furniture and and um, all of the anointed ones, they're called Mashiach, Messiah. So HaMashiach means the anointed one in Hebrew, and Messiah, which is my favorite word, (laughs) well not my favorite, but um, that's Aramaic. Christos is Greek. It's where we get the word Christ. I don't really like the word Christ because it means smeared with oil. It doesn't really mean what Hamashiach or Messiah mean. Anyway, but um, so I claim to be Messiah Ben Joseph, and uh, I don't know. There's if you if you take the time to actually get into the final prophet and. The the words of the prophet of Qumran is found in Cave 4, the Dead Sea Scrolls. Or Rabbi Yitzhak Kedori, who was a venerated rabbi, who was born in the 1800s in Iran and died in 2006, and nobody knows exactly how old he even was. You know, and he talked about these things. And, like, there's all these things that I could point you to Even the stuff in the Dead Sea Scrolls, which give an accurate description of what my hair looks like, what my body looks like, what I do for a living, um, family stuff, like just a ton of stuff. And to tell you the truth, I think it's kind of funny because there's a lot of individuals who claim to be me. Me. But the prophet at Qumran said that the hair of his head will be red because he saw me in vision. And, well, I know that there's other redheads out there, but I don't think there's any that claim to be the Davidic servant or Messiah ben Joseph or the witness or any of the stuff that I actually am and the only reason I know I am who I am is because even before I thought about any of this stuff back in 95 I was caught up in the spirit and Jesus took me to the Salt Lake Temple in Salt Lake City, Utah and he took me through the temple and the last room that we went into he led me up the stairs in the middle tower on the eastern side of the temple just under the Angel Moroni there's a room there it's the highest room in the temple. And he told me to go into that room. And when I walked through the threshold of that room, it was like walking from cold air into fire. I mean, the difference was powerful, but it wasn't burning fire like painful, but it was like love times infinity. And I heard the voice of the Father tell me that I would be the last prophet before the the return of Jesus uh, Jesus Christ which completely floored me and I didn't even know what to think because at the time I was an anti-Mormon Baptist I hated the LDS Church I wanted I had been baptized in 86 but I, I wanted to get my name removed from the church and in 1994 I tried to get my new name removed from the church but I was a teenager and my bishop what my records were he said that uh i could do that when i'm an adult i'm not allowed to do that now or some crap you know my baptist church was really anti-mormon it was in ogden utah and then later on it was uh after my pastor moved he got a job uh down in texas so he moved and uh I went to another Baptist church on, uh, I can't remember what the lane was called, but it was in, uh, East Layton. Anyway, but, so yeah, I'm anti-Mormon Baptist and God is like calling me up in in the spirit and taking me to the Salt Lake Temple, which I knew where it was, because guess what? (laughs) Before my conversion, before Main Street was actually, before it was turned into the Walking, whatever it is now, you could actually drive around the temple. And I used to drive around the temple and flip off the temple and the people and scream obscenities at them with my friends on our way to Confetti's because we were goth and that was a goth nightclub that they would let us go to. Anyone older than 16 could go to Confetti's. <laughs> and we uh we'd, I had this uh, Pontiac Phoenix hatchback. And the whole back seat was just big old, big old speakers. And we used to turn Nine Inch Nails up and just blast it and drive around the temple every Friday night and flip everyone off and scream uh, things at them. And this is like after my Baptist days, I, I turned goth for a while there. But. You know, I hated the church and God gave me this thing and I was like, I don't even know what to do with that, you know? And it wasn't until I was completely broke down that I finally humbled myself enough to repent. And ask God to forgive me of all my sins and to heal me of my drug addictions. And you know what he did? He did and I have not turned away from that path since 96. I'm probably going to have to have my son read um, or my wife. Let me just read a little bit more. I, it just, I don't know why I go off on those tangents, but somebody needed to know, so I had to say something. That's why I do the reader portion of the program before I do the commentary portions, so that people can just get the message without me giving all of this other stuff. But what my point was, was going off on the tangent, is that there is really bad examples of monogamy, but nobody flips out about monogamy. There are bad examples of polygamy And people focus on it Because that's what Satan wants you to do He wants you to focus on the bad examples And not see the good And there is good in plural celestial marriage Just like there's good in monogamy and, But I don't believe anybody should live polygamy Unless God calls you to it But that's God's right to do It might be an Abrahamic test. But if God asks you to do that, then then you should be willing to do that. You should be willing to live it anyway. And just wait. Don't, like, search it out and try to live it just because you want to live it, you know. But be open to the idea of it. So if God does call you to it, then you're ready to live it. And there is holiness in plural celestial marriage. It is not an abomination. Anyway, getting back to this. In fact, the one-wife system of marriage is principally confined to some some of the nations of Europe and the Americas. Most historians agree that the larger portion of the world's inhabitants believe polygamy to be a practical and acceptable part of marriage. But isn't such a system of marriage degrading to women? On the contrary, it is because of plural marriage that women, a woman is offered a broader choice of husbands, providing her with a better chance to improve religiously, emotionally, and perhaps financially. It is under the contracted principle of forced monogamy that women are denied many privileges. Today, women talk about liberation and their freedom, but there is no other principle of marriage that offers her as much freedom and independence, which she both wants and needs. Plural marriage is a simple, wholesome opportunity for women to gain the privileges of a family and a good husband. The broad selection from all men, instead of a few, is available for her rather than some single left leftovers. If a woman, or on page six, if a woman, if the women of today could revive this principle of marriage from out of the prejudice, misunderstanding, and selfishness that surrounds it. It would be the means of removing from our society some of its worst evils. Our monogamous marriage system has reduced too many women to a life of loneliness, ill repute, and degradation. Surely women are meant to be given an opportunity for the better things of life rather than the worst. Polygamy offers them that choice. But the practice of plural marriage should always be a matter of personal conviction, and I would say personal revelation. Also, a man should know in his own mind if he is capable of assuming the responsibilities that accompany such a marriage. But more important, he should obtain the necessary wisdom and inspiration to live it honorably. His life should reflect Stability not just to the outside world, but more particularly to his wives and children. Plural marriage should always be considered a holy principle, and a man should enter in or enter it only with the kind of effort and desire that results in a good marriage. Polygamy is certainly not guaranteed for a successful marriage. Conversely, it will expose and manifest every weakness in both the men and the women who enter into it. For these reasons, it should be a careful consideration, not only as a religious belief, but for a practical and faithful marriage. Let it be clearly understood that every man and woman should live their lives according to the dictates of their conscience whether it be celibacy, monogamy, or plural marriage. In any of these situations, man is always accountable to his conscience and his creator. So on page 7, I'm going to let my wife comment on on these things. Hopefully she's available. I'm I'm doing a pre-recording right now, but... So I'm going to end this recording, and we're going to get uh, see if I can get my wife or my son to read from here on out. But because uh, I actually do have to get ready for work, and during the live program, I'm working. Uh, as you know, uh, I'm driving my semi truck up and down the road, taking coal from the mine to the power plant, or to the mine to the rail yard, or whatever I'm doing. But I'm working, so, uh, so. We're going to have my wife hopefully comment, because I do want her to comment on, um, on what her opinions are about what we were just talking about. Um, yeah, we'll just let it get to that point. Uh, anybody who has questions or Comments about polygamy can call in at this time. The guest call-in number is 917-889-8827. That's 917-889-8827. If you have a question or comment, press 1, and I will see your hand raised, and then I will bring you into the studio, and I'll go into the studio, and I'll ask you what your question or comment is, and then if you choose to go live on the air, I'll unmute your mic and you can come on the air and share it with the world. This can be a discussion. But if you do come on, only give us your first name, not your last name. I will not be sharing your phone number with anybody, but I would like to know where you're calling from and what your first name is. So anyway, let's get to that point and And uh, thanks for listening.
3: Hi. <laughs>
1: Hi. I hear you. Uh, my see mine Hello. in the studio. Yeah, Mommy hear you. there. Hi. Yep, <laughs> yep I'm uh, headed to the spur with a load of coal. As per usual. Sunday night through cool. Thursday night to Friday morning and sometimes Saturdays. But yeah, so um Emmett, uh do you have the book out ready to read from this point on? Yeah. Mom, are you almost here?
4: Yeah, you should come outside and grab the thing.
1: Me. Oh. Okay. All right, well, yeah, Emmett, go ahead and grab uh whatever it is that Mom has. And while Emmett and Olivia are doing that, um <coughs> Kim can comment on the things that we were talking about uh, if she chooses to. Okay. Um,
4: okay. okay.
1: Go ahead and um, mute your mic, Emmett.
4: So I wasn't exactly sure because I wasn't listening to the entire thing, but the points that I did hear a little bit of and um, when discussing plural marriage – Um, one of the things that people have to think about and take into consideration, wow, there's a lot of feedback. I don't know what that is. Um, but one of the things that you have to take into consideration is that, um, monogamy actually has not been lived, um, for as long as what polygamy has. So polygamy in the grand scheme of the existence of people on this earth, polygamy has been lived longer, but then um over the course of history uh it was passed down uh by law and decree 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 oh my gosh I well, stop.
1: <laughs> and we'll get into that uh the Romans started it because of the situation yeah. with the beginning of Rome, and then they made the polygamy illegal because of what they were doing and yeah there's we're gonna to get into all the history of that reading this book, but go ahead um.
4: Okay, so anyways, yeah, so that happened. Um, So we haven't lived uh, monogamy as long. However, currently, and the way that people can, you know, do statistics, sorry, they're getting stuff out of the car, so it's, like, noisy, but um, if you look at the statistics that people can gather now on um, monogamy, you can get a lot more information and um, statistics. Um, Eliza? Can you not sing for one second? Okay. Um, You can get a lot more information and statistics on uh, monogamous marriage than you can on plural right now. Plural marriage is not lived by as many people, though people like to think that it is. So if you were to study a group of people who are living polygamy, of course you will find, you know, ridiculous and crazy marriages. But you also find those in monogamous marriages. Um, you just, um, can't, you know, negate one or the other because it is marriage. It is between people. Sorry. Now I've got them in the background being ridiculous.
1: Have Emmett or Aladia take areas in. I tried
4: to. I tried to. And then, uh, only one of them showed up outside. So I don't know where the other one is. Okay. Okay. Anyway, I understand. Okay. Okay, Eliza. Okay. Um, So anyways, so with that being said, um, of course you will find, um, you know, bad relationships in polygamy because it is people. But you also will find bad relationships in monogamy, just like you will find bad relationships in the LDS church as well as the Catholic or... Protestant or whatever church that you go to, it's not that. It's people, and people are the fa- they are the um, problem, right? They're also a solution, but they are the problem. So, as far as any kind of marriage goes, um, even what is the other kind, polyamory, there is always going to be issues when it comes to people and relationships. Um, though, yeah, it's hard to find uh, polygamous relationships to even you know, decide whether or not they are good or bad. However, if you're talking about a polygamous relationships, so you could um, study them and under, have understanding about different um, relationships, different um, marriages that do work or have worked for a certain reason or other, <clears throat> um, just like you can have it, you know. Star for the bad thing are done like what they try to do on clc which i know i probably shouldn't like bad mouth or whatever but um where they try to make um d- drama from where it doesn't actually have to be so um anyways
1: and that's the reason <laughs> we declined to go on seeking sister wives because they were trying to get us to uh You know, to be the couple looking for a polygamous marriage, and we are not looking for polygamy. We're open to live it. If God brings it into our lives, then at that point we'll be open only if it's revelation, and only if God directs an individual to come into our family. And we all get revelation. Specific, direct revelation is something that we should do. But um the TLC thing like yeah they just so we're friends with uh some of the people that were on the show <laughs> and uh and they just uh I, I think it was seeking sister wives they uh they just turned everything into drama and tried to 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 you know only show certain points because they're looking for ratings and uh our friend Drew Briney and his wives like they stopped doing it because of how destructive these people were um you know and like we're friends with uh people who live in the house of um oh what's the first guy and his wife's name Our friend Joshua lives in the Yeah, Cody Brown. Yeah. And they live in an AUB community which is a polygamous church, um, community. Um, you know, but like they uh, you know, they've got a good marriage but these TLC people are trying to get ratings and they wanna just make everything into drama. And uh, that's why Drew Briney and his wife stopped doing the program. And then they tried to rope us into it and were like, I don't think so. (laughs) In fact, um, all of our polygamous friends declined to go on those shows anymore because of how bad the producers and the directors were in just creating drama where it didn't have to be. But anyway, um, so... Um, I have friends who are in the LDS Church, a lot of friends in the LDS Church. And there's one in particular who I've been friends with for 15 years. And she lives in Germany. Her name is Lexi. And she is a virgin. And she is like in her 50s. And she has never been able to... She wanted children. She wanted a marriage. But she couldn't find somebody who lived up to the standards I mean there were people who pretended to live up to the standards but she could see through them and she's still single and she's past the age of having children and she's still single and there's women in these singles wards in Utah who the the number the ratio of men to women is four to one at the lowest and sometimes it's the, it's as high as 25 to 1 and these women are looking for good men and these men that are in these singles wards yes yeah, some of them are good but a lot of them pretend they go to the especially not young single adult wards so much it's not as bad there but um, mid-singles like these guys are just they pretend to be something that they're not and my mom was married to a man that she met in a singles ward and she got sealed to him in the temple and he turned out to be a prescription drug dealer and he was extremely abusive. But Mr. Mr. Righteous had a temple recommend that he was anything but righteous. You know, my mom's still single um, for reasons that I'm not going to get into, but, but there's a lot of women out there that if plural celestial marriage was an option they would be able to choose a good man, even if he was married, to have children with, to have a relationship of a husband and wife, and the added benefit uh, of having sister wives, and not, that's not always an added benefit, <laughs> you know, because um, polygamy is hard, but a lot of times it is an added benefit. Our friend Kevin has multiple wives, and they're good friends, and Joshua, that we talked about, lives in Cody Brown's old house. He has wives, and they, they're good. It's a good family relationship, a good family structure. And um, one of his wives actually chooses, even though she is educated, very educated, uh, Both, are, well, he has two wives, both of them are very educated, but she chooses to stay home and take care of the kids and homeschool their kids. And he works for the government, um, and he's really, really very intelligent. And his uh, one of his other wives, she's a nurse, and she's very intelligent as well. And and they have a good relationship. You know, I, we know a lot of polygamists that don't have their their um, don't have wives anymore because of whatever reason. But that's just life. That's marriage. You know, sometimes things work out, sometimes they don't. I have a friend who has had many wives, and things didn't work out with all of them. But the, but the relationship with, uh, that he has now is a good one, you know. So, I mean, you've got a lot of people that live monogamy. My mom is married, has been married four times. You know, first one was a drug addict. That was my dad. He wasn't a drug addict when they started or when they got married, but he became a drug addict. And then the, the next one was a very abusive, and he was a, um, a, a, a alcoholic, and he didn't seem that way when, like, when I was sick. But his dad was a drill instructor. He just, oh, he's bad. Anyway, and then there was the guy that she was married to that she was sealed to that didn't work out. And then the last guy she was married to four times, and they kept trying to make it work, and it didn't, didn't work very well. You know, and he was LDS too. But, um, you know, like in monogamy, you have problems. But you have problems in polygamy too But it doesn't mean that all polygamous relationships are bad And it doesn't mean all monogamous relationships are bad So we know Kim and I have a very good monogamous relationship You know, we know people who have very good polygamous relationships And the word that you were looking for earlier was polyandry Not poly- polyamory
4: Yeah, sorry, I don't know I wasn't sure
1: it's fine. But you knew
4: what I meant though, right?
1: Yeah, I just want the audience to know what you meant
4: Yeah Um. So mm, For just one second, veering off course Um. I know that We still have to read Um. I just got here I still have to do dinner I don't know, but I think Emmett might have to do the reading Just because of all the things That I still have to do There's a bunch
1: of back feed Right now <laughs> um, I told Emmett to mute the mic, but I don't think he did.
3: I am muted. Okay. I have been muted.
1: Oh, I don't know. I don't hear actually. Still, so, Emmett, do you, okay. do you hear it? I I have all my windows closed in my truck and my uh, I don't hear any. But my heater's on the floor, so it's not blowing at me. So I don't know. Yeah. What it is you're know. hearing? Okay, I don't know. Okay, uh, is there anyway, anything else, that, any other comments that you wanted to make before uh commences with the reading? Well, I
4: was just going to say also about plural marriage. So I know that in a lot of monogamous relationships, and this is only personal, like, that I know of, okay, um, that a lot of times... Um, it's very manipulative because you use alienation or um, you just use different kind of abusive tactics, which I'm sure you could use also in a monogamous relationship, I mean in a a polygamous relationship. But a lot of it, when you're sealed or married to one person, then that person is your person. It's your everything, like your help me. They're supposed to help you with everything, anything that you're having your problems with. But if you have this relationship with a person who does not help you with all of the things, and I'm not just talking about, like, um, physical. I'm talking about emotional and, um, you know, <clears throat>
2: um,
4: spiritual, all of the things that you need help with in order to be your, your most amazing self that you can be, okay? And you are getting uh, with this monogamous person or with you know just this other man i i'm just going to say it that way you, but you get with this other man just because there's nobody else i mean he's better than nothing so we'll just settle with this because we they have like this really slim pickings and i guess it will be okay in the long run and i think i can't remember which um which president of the church had said this but they had said if you stand next to a tree long enough you could fall in love with it um you know meaning it, it doesn't really matter who it is that you fall in love with or marry. That idea of soulmates um, was, is a ridiculous and preposterous thing. This this is um, what the talk was on, anyway, about how um, it doesn't matter if you meet your soulmate North or being not. Being okay, that's who I thought it was, but I wasn't going to say. So um, And he said that it didn't matter about soulmates, um, that if you stand next to a tree, or was it a telephone pole? I think it was a tree, long enough that you could fall in love with it. Um, just meaning that you should just settle for whoever and whatever is there because you're being too picky. Now, if you um, have to live in a monogamous culture, um, I would say, yep, that's going to happen because you don't want to be alone, and it's better to be with some schmuck than to be with, you know, nobody at all and have to do everything all by yourself and never have your own kids. Well, unless the schmuck is
1: abusive, that you can live with the (laughs) schmuck who isn't abusive, then at least you have children, which is a very important thing as well. Having children yeah. is one of the greatest highlights of them.
4: Yeah. So the thing is, is that if you – I could see where – this is where I'm like, okay, I, I understand this. Like, I have this other level of thinking, I guess. So I'm like, I could see where just because you're married to somebody, um, like a great man um, or a good man, and <clears throat> you – um you're like well he's off the market because i'm married to him so he now he can't marry anybody else but if there was um a provision for a polygamous marriage then women wouldn't have to settle for some guy who is a jerk who is abusive or um you know who who is subpar then you could have more than one wife But you know, I kind of think the other way around. You could have another husband. But anyways, that's a whole other story. But you could have more than one wife, and um, then you know, these women could have their um, children that are supposed to come down to them, and then they could um, also uh, grow in spirituality as well as you know have family. um, You know, be protected uh, from the outside world because you would have this stronger bond with them. So I would, I understand that whole part of it. But I also feel like um, sometimes, and this is why I think that polygamy gets a bad rap, sometimes men look at it like, yeah, I'm going to have a whole bunch of wives, and it's all about the whole sex thing. And I know everybody's thinking that, okay, because that's what everybody thinks when you talk about polygamy. Why are you having sex with all these women? So some men, yes, are pigs, and they get into that because that's what they think about, okay? And that's what they want to do. <clears throat> Not all men are like that, Um but also there are men think oh i can have 13 wives or whatever or even i can have two wives but then they put one wife out like they stop um with their that wife's daily care their emotional social uh physical well-being and the things that that wife um has been accustomed to for however many years they've been married or um you can't just well, take away
1: the law from that of wife purity that some polygamists, they think that if they get a new wife, then they have to completely focus on that wife and neglect the other wife, and that's the way it should be, because that's the way the law of purity, which is actually anti-Torah, it contradicts Torah and the instructions for polygamy in the Bible, and Joseph Smith said if they contradict the bible the book of mormon or the doctrine and covenants you set them down as imposters and this idea that these people come up with is part of an imposter apostate um, you know these apostate doctrines so, yeah, so um what what and, what and I was sex shouldn't be that... the biggest part of a marriage either sex is like a very minor part of the marriage. It's part of them. It should be part of a marriage, but it's not anybody in a mature monogamous relationship knows that sex is a, you know, if you don't have the other aspects of marriage, sex isn't going to fix it. And it shouldn't be the main part of a marriage. It it is for a carnal Gentile type people, but it it shouldn't be for um, a righteous people. Also real quick. I'm sorry, I'm interrupting you, but um, so women are assigned children before we come into, monog- or into mortality, and that is a very important bond that that started before mortality, and women who have to settle for. Unrighteous or less Valiant individuals Are going to be bringing their children Into those relationships But women Who are able to Choose a man Who is open to plural celestial Marriage with, uh, with The first wife or whatever um, These Children will be brought into Righteous valiant Relationships and they will be able to be taught better you know and so um you know that's a huge aspect of plural celestial marriage In jacob it says you know god reserves polygamy for the times when he wants to raise up a righteous people and he always does he always does want to raise up a righteous people but if the people aren't righteous then he's going he you know there's a restriction don't live it unless you're ready to raise up children unto me. So anyway, I'm gonna mute myself. I do uh have to get out of the truck real quick, but I will uh still have my headset on so I'll be able to listen to you. Go ahead, Kim. Uh,
4: you kinda of, I don't remember. <laughs>
1: Well, maybe it'll come back me? to you. <laughs> yeah, I know. if I'm not to we have to read. do the
4: reading anyway. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, go I ahead, Emma. I think Emmett.
4: I pretty much said it. I was just saying that that the reason I could understand because you said you wanted my opinion, and not just yep. the things that I have read or known. So I was trying to give my opinion. So <clears throat> I feel like that um, a lot of people who do that we've known who do get into polygamy. Um, you have equal the people who. Uh, want to make lo- ra- laws and rules um, to make it work out for them. And then <clears throat> I think we know a few people who also try to live, like, to their understanding what God has asked them to live, to do what they want them to do. I think they're righteous, um, not necessarily with any other group, but they're just not, they're just righteous people. Um, <clears throat> but I also feel like um, a man or a woman – is not capable of um fulfilling all of those needs like the spiritual emotional uh physical needs of a spouse then they shouldn't be taking on another spouse and so um i'm sure there's like you know exceptions or but if and just in case and they there's all of these exceptions or well, unless of this or if that, but I feel like that's where it gets off on the way when you start to make excuses um, for the person who is lacking. Because if you, I can just use it, it could go vice versa, like male or female, but if there is a male who cannot um, keep up with his wives, if he has a bunch of wives and there's a wife that he is seeing once a week and that was, you know, she, the only time that he has to spend with that wife um i don't know how like maybe that's the way she wants it to be it would have to be like a mutual understanding i feel like because you can't just write the laws for every relationship and just say every relationship is going to work this way because it doesn't there maybe there is a woman who just wants a husband to talk to once a week you know somebody they can call and say hey i just need help with this you know such and such or whatever whereas you know also maybe not maybe there are women who need that reassurance they need that companionship they need and you know it's not wrong to need that but i feel like god does know each and every one of us and knows exactly what it is that we need specifically and um i think sometimes We go through a refiner's fire, you know, we go through um, trials and tribulations and things so that he can help us to be more understanding and to be the people that he, you know, the children that he has been trying to raise and teach to become like unto him. And so if... It is needed for you to go through a refiner's fire, somebody to go through um, a relationship to help you to be a better person or help you have a higher understanding or um, help you to raise your children in, in such a different way or an understanding. I feel like God would guide you to do that. Does that mean I think everybody's going to have to live plural marriage? No, I don't believe that. Um, I, I don't believe that even half of the people will end up having to do that just because um, we all uh, can be damned or stay and remain in um, our current level or a state of which we choose. So if God gives you something, you choose not to live it. If God um, <clears throat> um, has you, wants you to understand something higher, or asks you to do something and you refuse, whether it's plural marriage, whether <clears throat> it's the law of adoption, whether it's, um you know rebaptism whatever it may be whatever the trial or tribulation may be in your mind and that he knows your spirit needs whatever it is that um it might be god knows that about each and every one of us all of us individually and um his purpose just like you would be with all of your own children your purpose and his purpose is to help you to be like him and help you to grow and learn more in knowledge and be able to um, <clears throat> Become like unto him And so to do that He uh, you know all of us are not the same and so we would have to go through different experiences um, And to gain higher levels of knowledge or understanding um, m- maybe more compassion maybe um you would need patience it, it depends on you know what it is everybody's working on because i know all of us are constantly working on something um and we're battling something individually but sometimes um if the battle that you are facing is that you feel alone that you feel like you need help or that you can't do it all on your own and um you know you you want to be a part of a family unit and it ends up that the family unit you're in already has three other wives, and then you're in that unit as well as a fourth wife. But the what you were looking for or needing um, was that sister um, aspect, was that um, bonding, was the need to have, um, what is it called? To, to just have a um, relationship uh, with other people, with a family, and be part of something greater then I could see where that might be your calling as well. But, you know, I am human, and I don't fully understand all the things of God, and I totally will admit that a million times over. Um, So I'm just saying, like, how I, what my understanding is or what my feeling is on the whole matter. So um, I wouldn't put God in a box and say, absolutely not. I am never going to ever live plural marriage or I am never going to, Uh, drive a red car on sunday or something it doesn't matter what it is i would not ever say never would i do this because um i always am hoping to always learn more i always hope to be compassionate or understanding to other people's beliefs and to their understandings um their experiences that they have had um i always hope to be um that type of individual, that type of spirit, and that if anybody did need – excuse me, I'm losing my voice – if anybody did need um, a companionship or they needed help or they just needed more understanding or they just needed somebody to talk to, Um, I like to be that individual because I like to hear other people's stories. I like to hear experiences because I feel like that's the human experience, right? It is to come down here, gain understanding, light, and knowledge. Um, Myself, I haven't always had to live through um, things. Um, I've never broken a bone. Thank goodness I never broke a bone. But a lot of people around me have my brothers, sisters. They have and they already told me how painful it was. So I generally decided not to do things that could maybe get n- me into a type of situation where that would happen. I think I did luck out because there were other occasions when it wasn't necessarily my choice, but um, I could have had my arm broken or you know my face or something from um, past relationships. But uh, luckily I didn't have to go through that. Does that mean that everybody won't know uh, certain um, people we're foreordained to go through trials and um, to help them to learn. Uh, Sometimes we get stuck on those trials because we feel like they were too great. The the anger, the upset, the frustration, um, it it darkens you a little and it makes it so you can't get out of that space. It makes it hard. But um, as in the rest of the human experience, other people have gone through like or similar situations and I feel like we're here to help build each other up and help one another um so um again part of that would not be <clears throat> to um, you know uh, ostracize or um separate from people who maybe choose to live differently or have different understandings of um Christ or of God or the gospels or um you know even the bible or what the after like w- life will look like or be so Yeah, I know that's like a really huge um, subject, and also that was a very long answer, but uh, that's how I feel about the whole thing. I would not um, say that I would never live that, absolutely never, because I, even in the past, have always just done what I knew God had asked me to do. That's why I'm married to my husband now, because I was praying about it. I had a, a lot of really spiritual experiences, but... Um, I, one of my most spiritual experiences was when I met my husband and, um, I had asked God, uh, to send me my eternal companion, tell me who he was, that I, um, did not want to, um, do everything alone anymore. And, um, I was sent my husband now and when he had called me and told me a whole bunch of things, I had a very spiritual experience and then, um, right after I prayed again, And I was like, really? Thank you for the the answers that he had answered all my questions. But um, I asked God this, you know, I was kind of kidding. I was like, really? This could not be the guy that you are sending me. And then I heard an audible voice that told me to bear his children to ease his burden. And um, I feel like, yeah, maybe that has happened because I did marry him and I followed God and did what I was supposed to do, which was by far the best decision I've ever made in my life. But um, also... I feel like it has helped ease his burden, but not all the time, because uh, also in losing children and having these other experiences, they have been sad, um, but it's definitely something we couldn't have gone through on our own. So, yeah, so if um, plural well, marriage was something that well, God also told me to live, I I wouldn't say um, that I would not live it. Do you know what I mean? I will follow God just like I did with my first marriage. <coughs> but it won't come from man. Mm-hmm. I know that. <laughs>
1: Well, your second marriage.
4: Yeah, well, Um, none of my marriages ever would. (laughs) All of the marriages that ever happen with me will always come from God because I um, am terrible at making decisions without him. So let's face that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, we are on this earth to go through certain uh, situations so that we can grow, and we should be – you know, Joseph Smith said, "I've never. I. I don't like it when people are punished or condemned. Whatever I'm paraphrasing, but it's the gist of it. When people are condemned for believing too much, you know, it's because of the hardness of the heart that people reject other people. But God, if God calls people to live a certain way, then that's what God's God wants for them, and." These people that want to say polygamy is an abomination and they condemn people who are living how God has asked them to live and that's wrong you're not the judge, I'm not the judge even with the calling that I have, I'm not your judge God is your judge and I'm going to let people live how they feel God is asked them to li- or has asked them to live that's one of the reasons why I have such a problem with people who flip out about polygamy because God has called people to live plural celestial marriage. He has given instructions in the scriptures on how to live it. And if he did that, which he did, uh, he, he never said that it was an abomination. He said there were certain ways that you would live it that are an abomination, you know, but but he wouldn't have given instructions in the Torah For people to live polygamy a certain way Or when you had to live it If it was an abomination So these people that flip out about Jacob And they misinterpret what is being said there um, That contradicts the scriptures That Joseph Smith said And I'm bringing it up again Because it's really important People get this through their heads if they contradict the Bible, the Book of Mormon, or the Doctrine and Covenants, you have to set them down as imposters. And the fact of the matter, God doesn't condemn polygamy. He does condemn multiplying of wives, which is, uh, which is different. And, um, and if the Book of Mormon does contradict the Bible, you have to throw the Book of Mormon out. Well, I know that the Book of Mormon's true. So, if I have that interpretation, realizing that the Bible contradicts the Book of Mormon because of my false interpretations, but I know that the Book of Mormon's true, then I have to throw my interpretation out because it's the interpretation that is the contradiction, not, not uh, well, not God's interpretation, because the Book of Mormon doesn't contradict the Bible at all so uh the only thing that um does contradict uh is section 132 and there's truth in that but there's error in that too this whole idea where you can only have a plural wife if she's a virgin is a lie this whole idea that what david and solomon did uh with multiplying of wives and that wasn't that wasn't wrong in god's eyes well that contradicts the torah where god does say it it is wrong and the book of mormon God says through the thus saith the Lord revelation received by Jacob That that was wrong too The multiplying of life is wrong So I have to throw section 132 out Because it contradicts the rest of the scriptures So and then real quick um, This whole section on monogamy that was taken out by Brigham Young uh, Well you know Go and read it If you know what it is Then you know what it is Nowhere in that section Does it say Thus says the Lord or you, or Joseph Smith said That the law of the church Is monogamy And that is what it should be Unless God commands otherwise And I Fully stand with Joseph Smith On that The law of the church is monogamy unless God uh, calls you to live plural celestial marriage. And if he does call you to live it, it is not an abomination. So, anyway, um, Emma, are you ready to read?
3: Uh, Yeah, Mom just walked into the house, so it's like, oh, Mom, do you want this?
1: Oh, she want to read?
3: I don't know. You have to go to the bathroom. So okay, how about page you read? Yes, yeah. okay. and then mom on three she She can, and I can just finish it off. So you were okay, on page good. seven last right. I remember, and there's only eight pages in the chapter, so...
1: Okay,
3: go ahead. Okay. Certainly, domestic government is the first order to all social social organizations. It is even the root of all civil government, for if the character and effectiveness of civil government is bad, and family government is probably a contributing factor for its failure. Family order or disorder is a superstructure upon which every society is elevated or destroyed. If marriage in society is without respect, purity, or value, then this will be reflected in society's social and civil government. Paternalism is the natural order of all life, for everything seeks to reproduce itself. Every flying, walking, swimming, or creeping creature is motivated by nature to continue its species. And it will be discovered that the stronger, healthier portions of these various male species usually seek a polygamous relationship with the females. Even mankind uses the healthy, the stronger, selected strains of breeding to raise better quality cattle, horses, and even their dogs and cats. Uh, for example, our goats, uh, we're going to sell Luke Ashtab, or not Luke, Ashtab, because he doesn't want to be on the growth. And Luke is bigger. And we're probably going to sell Luke, too, because he's related to a bunch of them, but that's a long, the story just an example. Continuing on. So else, yeah?
1: Explain to me what you're trying to talk about the goats. I don't understand.
3: Oh, Mom and I were the other day were talking about selling Luke and maybe Ashton because Luke is related to all the girls and Ashton is Ashton.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've got um, 11 goats now and uh, Luke is related to too many of them. <laughs> I don't know yeah. what that has to do with uh, polygamy other than he's polygamist because he has a large harem <laughs> <laughs> no, just, um,
3: the thing was talking about like uh, what's it called uh, breeding selected strains of animals like cattle horses and dogs and cats and I was like, oh, yeah like yeah. goats too yeah,
1: yeah. goats because we have goats and we are the goat masters <laughs> <laughs> and we have goats because goats are tastier than sheep And we don't want to shear the sheep, so there's that. But anyway, um, oh, man. Um, I don't know. Like, you can look at it uh, carnalistically or whatever um, and kind of apply it to human marriages, not in the fact that, like, we're trying to, like, breed people to be stronger or bigger or whatever, but maybe you know, more intelligent, but we're looking for righteousness and children should be brought into marriages that are righteous. So when you've got a good husband and a good wife and they bring their children up in such a way that those children will turn towards God, then that's what we're looking for. Now, Adam and Eve had Cain. You know, you can't control everything. You know, um, sometimes people make mistakes and like sometimes they go off the path like Alma the younger no the Alma the whatever I can't remember anyway but one of the Almas (laughs) um, you know he was off on his own path and he was doing things that his father did not like and that he shouldn't have been doing and then he had a change of heart which was kind of forced upon him by God but there was you know the father and the mother was praying for this child that was off on the wayward path. And the child got brought brought back into, like, the fold. Like, my grandparents, I know they prayed for me. They served seven missions in the church, and my grandpa wasn't the most greatest person. He had his flaws, but he loved God. And so did so did my grandma. And I went off, and I... You know, because of circumstances, I went through certain situations, which made me very angry at God for a time, and I was off the path, you know, Uh, but they tried to raise me with good principles and uh, in a righteous relationship, because my grandparents were basically my parents. They raised me a lot, And, um, and I went off the path, and I was brought back into the fold. And the fold is the fold of God, not the church. Now, I did come back into the church, but that's not what I'm talking about. Um, But with um, husbands and wives that are righteous, if a woman like my friend Lexi, who wanted children, who is still a virgin, but it wouldn't even matter if she was a virgin, um, or any of these other women that want righteous Husbands to raise their children in righteousness and raise up children to God. Then, um, if plural celestial marriage was an option that they could live, then um, then you know then they would be able to raise the children up in righteousness. But they find these guys like my mom did in a singles war who per- pretended to be a temple recommend, righteous, worthy husband. And then she gets with him, and she finds out he is not anything but what he proclaimed to be. And, you know, luckily she didn't have children with that man. But um, with a plural marriage, uh, a a wife can, uh, can say, yeah, my husband is righteous. He's not faking. He is a good man, and he would be a good husband to you. You know, it, like it's the selfishness of, uh, of women that that want to like condemn polygamy, because if women were selfish about this certain subject, then they would allow others to come into their marriage and to also have the benefit of a righteous husband and raising children to God so remember Hello. Yeah, I can't hear you. Were you muted?
3: (laughs) Can you hear me? Yeah. Go ahead. Okay, got it. Strangely enough, they often fail to consider this principle for their own offspring. Oh, Aries is waking up. That's not good. (laughs) It is this failure that has created a society filled with unmarried, unwanted, or prostituted females. This is a crime against the natural desires of women, for they should have the right and opportunity to have a home and a happy family life. Hold on, mom's taking a baby. <laughs> God is justifiably ashamed of the contracted bigots who are so prejudiced against his marriage laws. He does not tolerate any man, no matter how high or holy his position, to transgress or oppose these laws. Even the kings of the ancient Israel who disgraced these laws had to forfeit their wives, children, and thrones. And page 8. Our Modern society is taking a similar course of opposition and contention against those Bible marriage laws of God. Notable cities such as New York, San Francisco, Hollywood, London, Rome, and indeed every major city, has become so corrupt that they are a stink in the nostrils of the Almighty. What a phrase. They are a stink in the nostrils of the Almighty. <laughs> they have become modern Sodoms and Gomorrah. For these reasons, if we do not take corrective measures immediately and turn ourselves back upon an honorable course we will or be destroyed. The only possible solution to correcting our present evils is to again to again put into practice the laws and principles of marriage, which are clearly established in the Bible. That the end of that chapter.
1: Good deal. All right. So we have uh, the guest call-in number is 917-889-8827 for any questions on theological nature, of theological nature. Um, and there's a chat room available. So we do go on live. Monday through Friday from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m., unless we're finished with the reading, which we are finished at this point. Um, Unfortunately, uh, when I was trying to delete the clips uh, for yesterday's program, it deleted the music. (laughs) So We don't have the music anymore, but we do have the studio, and I can't accidentally delete that. So um, let me just bring Kim up hi Kim
3: don't worry I can sing pretty good I got this
1: no (laughs) Uh, anyway can you hear me now yeah 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 sorry so we dropped I don't know why okay okay well um you have your Wi-Fi calling on your phone
4: says um are sort of I, I do, but I have the baby throwing a little bit of a fit. <laughs>
1: okay, all right, well, uh yeah, um, Emma, if we don't have anybody in the uh the, uh the studio uh, and nobody said anything in chat, I guess we can wrap up the program for today. Are you there?
3: yeah, I'm muted, oh,
1: okay. All right. So I don't know what I'm gonna do. I don't know what I'm gonna do for tomorrow's program yet. It probably won't be a reading of this book. I'll probably be on Monday that we do that at six PM. Um, we might just uh, do a flashback Friday on one of the older programs that I did. Um, we're up to like five hundred and twenty four programs on fundamentally Mormon. Um, so uh, maybe I'll find something uh, Also, uh, people that are interested in what we're talking about here Can join us at Facebook uh, In LDS Last Days Prophecy and Gospel Discussions There's a lot of really good conversations going on at that point Or at that, in that group I am the admin of that group uh, The only rules I have for that group are You believe that Jesus is the Christ uh, and that Joseph is the prophet of the Restoration. And so in that group, it is not just Latter-day Saints, but there are fundamentalists there. There are tonight. There are Stringites. There are um, groups that broke off. There are a lot of independent fundamentalists and independent Mormons there. So uh, the conversation sometimes gets a little bit heated, But as long as people aren't calling each other names and uh, cussing or whatever, um, you know, they're welcome. Everybody's welcome there. Uh, Just there's rules and please follow the rules. um, One of the things that I have been doing is I have been um, recording or doing a screen recording each night of Uh, past episodes, and I've been putting them up with the commentary, not the comment, well, the commentary is the audio, but also I've been putting them up with um, the reading of those chapters that we covered in the past, and so I have been uh, going through Who Crucified Christ right now, and uh, we've been talking a lot about, about those things, and I think Today I posted about uh, the destruction of the temple. And one of the things that I talked about in the destruction of the temple, for the Jews to like, possibly to see, because I know they're looking for Messiah Ben-Joseph. And I proclaim to be that man for reasons I have talked about and reasons I have not talked about. But uh, I know that we do have Jews who are listening. So I'm going to speak to them just real quick, and then we'll end the program. God sent prophets to call the people of Israel back into repentance, to go back into his way. Before the destruction of the first temple, he sent Isaiah many years before that all happened to warn the people, but he also sent Jeremiah... Um, and he sent other prophets like Nehemiah, I think was one of them I can't remember who they all were, Ezekiel But anyway, he did send these prophets to warn the people But primarily it was Jeremiah Also Lehi was a prophet who was there in Jerusalem warning the people as well And that's in the Book of Mormon or the Second Witness of Christ But um, he did this before the destruction of the First Temple and the only prophets that were sent before the destruction of the second temple was it started off with john the baptist who was a prophet who was trying to warn the people to repent and jesus christ who was the prophet who tried to warn the people to repent and then peter james and john and the 12 carried on with that work for 40 years before the destruction of the temple the second temple God did try to warn the people to repent, but they wouldn't listen, and the temple was destroyed. He didn't send any other prophets at that time, like He did with the first temple with Jeremiah. He sent true prophets, Jeremiah, or not Jeremiah, but he did send um, John the Baptist and Jesus Christ, who is a true prophet. And to look at apostate Christianity and try to condemn Jesus through apostate Christianity is sad. Stop. Stop looking at what other people believe and just read the text. Because Jesus taught from the Torah. Everything that was taught by the disciples is taught in the Torah. So, and things get twisted around through translations, but the gist of it is, Jesus Was a true prophet But he was so much more than that And um, I hope people will Consider that Especially my Israelite brothers Especially my Jewish Brothers and sisters Because I am a Jew I am a descendant of King David And um, Genealogy Through my mother and through my father Go back all the way to Adam and Eve So I am one of you And I am a witness that that Jesus is exactly who he says he is and that there, that God the Father is separate from Jesus. He's not the same. So, and for those uh, Christians out there who believe in the Trinity, um, well, you know, Jesus told the thief on the cross, today surely thou shalt be with me in paradise. But three days later, when he went to see Mary, he said, hold me not, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. So if he is the Father... So Trin- Trinitarians believe that the Father incarnated as the Son, and then He's the Holy Ghost, but they're all one God, uh, one in one in being. And um, but like I said, you know, if if Jesus told Mary He had not yet been to the Father, but three days before He had been to para- said He was going to paradise with the thief. Well, then two things: paradise is not where the Father is. Paradise is not heaven and Jesus is not his father they are two separate individuals and when Jesus says that um, that he he's one with the father he also prayed that the the twelve would be one with the father as well and they were separate individuals and Jesus is a separate individual from that of the father so anyway all right, well, we don't have any music, and I don't think anybody's called in. Emmett, just check it one last time before we end the program, please. We can always sing. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. That's what Emmett was yeah. saying. Yeah. Emmett was like, I can sing. <laughs> no, Emmett, no.
5: <laughs>
1: no, no. No. <laughs>
3: Uh, no, we could sing. You know, like you go
4: before i well,
3: has gone.
4: <laughs> that
3: song.
1: Uh, oh, oh. How dun, about? Dun, uh, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> what's that <laughs> one? Uh, Put your shoulder <laughs> to the wheel. Push
0: along. Yeah, maybe we should hang up.
1: Okay, Emmett. Um, go ahead and play the uh, the second endowment and then just end it Thanks after that and it's done one. playing and okay. uh, I will call you I'm on the minor road right now so as soon as that's done just hang up and uh, that's the program for today people so thank you for calling and this is the second endowment which was received um, in 2016 which Wilford Woodruff actually talked about the second endowment and it, is second endowment is not a second anointing they're two separate things so, anyway, this is the second endowment. Go ahead, Emma, and then just end the program immediately after that is done playing. Thank you for listening, everyone. Bye.
5: School of the Prophets. The first oath and covenant of the priesthood. All those who enter into the School of the Prophets or the Relief Society shall have taken the oath and covenant of the priesthood upon them, which oath is done by raising both hands to the square and saying, O oh, Father, unto thee i pledge my oath thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven i will do all in my power to bring thy kingdom upon the earth i covenant with thee that i will take thee as my law and i will obey thy revelations unto me whether they be revelations given to me or to another but which are confirmed to me it is the same i know that ye cannot fail and that i must obey the law upon which any blessing is predicated to get the good of that blessing even so. Amen. Brothers and sisters, welcome to the school of the sons and daughters of the gods, even the school of of magi and of prophets and of seers and of of priests and priestesses, kings and queens. I am the teacher that hath been appointed for this school and I am standing in my place at the head of the circle for there shall be established a circle with a triangle in the middle. The teacher and priest at the head of the circle is elijah the king upon the right side is called messiah and the magi upon the left is called elias you have come unto the house of the lord to receive your second endowment in the school of the prophets and in the relief society the mysteries of god shall be revealed unto you in the bonds of brotherhood sisterhood charity and love all the rooms which ye shall meet in for the school of the prophets from this day forth be dedicated as a temple unto the living God, which is his house, even a house of prayer, a house of fasting, a house of faith, a house of learning, a house of glory, a house of order, a house of God. Wherefore, if ye will obey the order of this house, ye will speak in turn, walk in turn, and let the love and charity that ye have one for another grow, as ye perform these binding ordinances, for the order of the ordinances in this house alone will expand the love ye have for one another. Dedicatory Prayer The dedicatory prayer is a prayer of dedication by the inspiration of the Spirit, dedicating it as a school and temple of God. Inviting God into the house or dedicated room. All shall take a white handkerchief and waving them say, Hosanna, 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 to God and the Lamb. Hosanna, 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 to God and the Lamb. Hosanna 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 to God and the lamb amen amen and amen now all those who wish to accept the obligations and blessings of the endowment please raise your hands very well washing of feet the holy priest holder washing the feet shall invite the patron to sit down and place a basin of water in front of him to put his feet in the holy priest the holder will then take off his garments and set them nearby, and girt himself with a long towel like a temple robe over one shoulder. He will then kneel down and begin the washing of the feet, saying, Brother, by the authority of the priesthood, after the order of the Son of God, I wash your feet, preparatory to receiving your second anointing, in the house of the Lord, that you may rule and reign in the house of Israel, or Adam, forever. And at this time wash you clean every whit, that you are now clean from the blood and sins of this generation. I wash you clean of the blood and sins of this generation, and again I wash you clean of the blood and sins of this generation, that you may be called up and come forth in the morning of the first resurrection, and be clean without spot at the judgment bar of God, for you have done your part to warn the people of this generation, ridding your garments of their blood. Wherefore I declare by the authority of the holy priesthood, that you are clean, and that your sins are forgiven, if ye have repented, And I do this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. This does not need to be the exact wording, but this is an example of the washing of feet. Salute. Now behold, mine son, after this has been done, he shall be accepted into the school by raising both hands high in the salute. And the priest priest shall also raise his hands high in the salute. And the priest shall say, Art thou a brother or brethren? I salute you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in token or remembrance of the everlasting covenant, in which covenant I receive you to fellowship, in in a determination that is fixed, immovable, and unchangeable, to be your friend and brother, through the grace of God in the bonds of love, to walk in all the commandments of God, blameless, in thanksgiving, forever and ever. Amen. And he that is found unworthy of this salutation shall not have place among you, for ye shall not suffer that mine house shall be polluted by him. And he that cometh in and is faithful before me, and is a brother, or if they be brethren, they shall salute the president, or teacher, with uplifted hands to heaven, with this same prayer and covenant, or by saying, Amen, in token of the same. For behold, these words I gave to Joseph Smith, and they have not been abrogated. This shall be done in every session of the school of the prophets and the Relief Society. Healing and Blessing Sisters are to give each other blessings of healing and comfort by the laying on of hands in the Relief Society. Brethren are to do the same when they are moved upon to do so. Brethren and sisters may also bless and dedicate handkerchiefs to assist in the healing of the sick, as well as blessing and dedicating other objects for purposes of power in the priesthood. Objects which are for protection and not for healing should be blessed with a rod or wand. Being Married to Christ Do you have faith that Jesus is the Christ? Yes. Then confess his name and covenant to never deny him as a testimony to the world. The initiate's own words. Then, thus saith the Lord to my messenger, Verily, verily, I say unto you, my son, I give unto you a commandment, declaring unto you that they who receive you receive me, and if they receive me, they receive him that sent you to salute them with my salutation, in remembrance of my everlasting covenant, which I have received you to fellowship. May they receive you also, as you receive them, that they may be clean from the blood of this generation, and be received by the washing of the feet. For unto this end was the ordinance of washing of feet instituted, being bound together in the bonds of brotherly love, and sealed together by the covenant of life and peace, which covenant abideth forever with the celestial saints or in other words, the married, uh, to Christ. And he that continueth not in this covenant shall not have place among you, for ye shall not suffer my house to be polluted by them, saith the Lord. Amen. Amen. All those in the school shall then either wash one another's feet, or give the holy kiss in token of the same. And they shall say to one another, Do you receive me to be your friend and brother, are you willing to salute me in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in token and or remembrance of the everlasting covenant in which you receive me to fellowship and in a determination that is fixed, immutable and unchangeable, to be your friend and brother, through the grace of God and the bonds of love, to walk in their commandments of God, blameless and thanksgiving forever and ever? Amen. Amen. Are you willing to show to the world that you are clean from the blood of this generation? Do you covenant with me in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? and in the presence of these witnesses, that you will love your companions in life as Christ loves the church, that you will cherish each other, comfort each other, forsaking all others who are not in the holy order, so long as you live? Yes. Having authority, I seal thee, brother, unto the anointed gods, even Christ, both male and female, and seal thee unto myself as mine own son in the first household of Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Now men may be sealed to their wives in the second sealing by taking them by the hand and saying, Art thou my sister? I salute you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in token or remembrance of the everlasting covenant, in which I covenant to receive you to fellowship in a determination which is fixed and movable and unchangeable, to be your friend and brother, through the grace of God, in the bonds of love, to walk in all the commandments of God, blameless and thanksgiving, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Behold, sisters, may also make the covenant, and say, Amen, in token of the same. Also to the unmarried I, the Lord, willeth that you should, be, you should marry in, in the order, that I may have a pure people, saith the Lord. All who have covenanted to only marry within the holy order, say, Amen. Amen. This order shall not be broken by any until they themselves stand in the garden of paradise, ready to fall, lest they be destroyed. Amen. Amen. Covenant to enter into a united order. The patron receiving it will put his arm to the square and repeat after he who is administering the covenant, saying, I, brother, so-and-so, do covenant and promise before God, angels, and these brethren, in the united order, that I will consecrate all my mind, strength, and wealth unto this united order, and that I will hold all things in common with my brethren, according to my stewardship, and I do this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen baptism into the united order after dedicating the water and going into the water as described above you hold on to the one being baptized and raising your right arm to the square you say brother by the authority of the melchizedek priesthood which i hold i baptize you into the order of Enoch, which is the united order before god and i say this in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy ghost amen of the holy spirit amen You then immerse them in the water, and then undedicate the water. The Meal of the Prophets The members of the school and or relief society shall sit at a table. A glass of wine and a small stack of flatbread shall be provided for each member. A blessing shall be given. O Father, which art in heaven, by the authority of the priesthood, after the order of the Son, we bless this bread to all the souls which shall partake of it, that they may do it in fellowship and brotherhood, being knit in one through the love of Christ, which is charity, In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. O Father which art in heaven, by the authority of the priesthood, after the order of the Son, we bless this wine to the souls which shall drink of it, that they may do it in the spirit, worshiping thee and their mother in spirit and in truth, being knit in one through charity, the greatest of all. For we know that if we are not one, then we are not yours. Even so, in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. The Washing of With Alcohol when only men are present, then there can be a washing with a cloth and alcohol. Brother, having authority, I wash your body clean, that it may be healthy, strong, and full of virtue and power. I wash your sins away with charity, making your garments white, even making thee clean every whit of the blood and sins of this generation. I do this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. The Provisional Anointing Brother, By the authority of the priesthood, after the order of the Son, and in the name of Jesus Christ, I pour this holy consecrated oil upon thy head, and give unto uh, unto you a holy anointing. I anoint and ordain thee a king and a priest of the Most High God, to rule and reign in the house of Israel forever, predicated upon this anointing being sealed. I give thee power to bind on earth, and have it bound in heaven. And whomsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And whomsoever thou shalt curse shall be cursed, and whomsoever thou shalt bless shall be blessed. But remember that these things must be done in accordance with those things which have been done before the foundations of the world. I bless thee that ye shall come forth in the first and holy resurrection, and I even ordain you to be one of the Sons Amen. I bless thy head and mind that ye may receive revelations in carrying on the work. I bless thy eyes, that ye may see visions and the eternal worlds. I bless thy nose that ye may smell the sweet smells of the eternal worlds. I bless thy mouth that worlds ye may speak truth, I give thee this holy anointing in the name of Elohim, and in the name of Jehovah, and in the name of the Godhead of this earth, even Michael, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Ghost, who presides over the spirits of just men and women made perfect. Amen. Patriarchal Blessing Brother, by the authority of the patriarchal priesthood and, in the, and the priesthood after the order of the Son, I lay my hands upon your head and give you a patriarchal blessing in the school of the prophets. Then you shall give the blessing by the Spirit, and do it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The Council of the Prophets The keys of the holy kiss shall be given. The first, or ironic sign of the holy kiss is made by embracing and kissing the right cheek, and then the left, and then the right again, and saying, Peace be upon you. The second, or Melchizedek, sign of the holy kiss is made by embracing and kissing the right cheek, and then the left cheek, and then the forehead, and saying, Peace be upon you. The third or patriarchal sign of the holy kiss is to kiss upon the lips and saying, God be with you. The first holy kiss is for brethren and sisters in the priesthood and siblings. The second holy kiss is for parent and child and the priesthood or familial bonds. The third holy kiss is for eternal mates or fellow eternal members of the holy order of the opposite gender that you love or are attracted to and feel close enough to, sufficient to merit this kiss. If the motion of this kiss, holy kiss is not reciprocated, and continue with the first in all charity and love. Let all receive it. Let all who are present give the appropriate holy kiss to those sitting upon their right hand and upon their left, and saying unto them, Peace be upon you, or God be with you, or Shalom, in token of the same. That will do. Now the members of the, holy, the school of, or the Relief Society shall return to the circle and a rod presented. Brethren and sisters, this rod is the rod of the word of God, And whoever shall hold the rod hath the right to speak, and all others must be silent until the possessor of the rod hath finished speaking. If you desire to speak, you should put your right foot forward, until he who possesses the rod shall give thee the rod. Now if he shall continue to speak long enough after that, that it seemeth he is ignoring a brother or a sister, or a mother or a father, or a son or a daughter in the Lord, then all shall put their feet out also. He shall then repent himself, of speaking, and give the rod away. The rod is the word of and law of God, and that which is confirmed by the members, having felt the Spirit, shall be considered Scripture. Members shall confirm a saying, by raising both hands above their head, and repeating it, and then saying, Amen, after it hath been proposed for a vote. Behold, brethren, now that we are one, let the mysteries be opened up unto us.